and welcome to The Stinger, a superfan's guide to Marvel, Star Wars, and much more in fandom. I'm Josh Gann. With me today, he's been grinding tape on the numerous amount of trailers that have released in the past month. It's Trent Neely. How we doing, Trent? Oh, there, there's so much content, and yet we don't know if any of it's going to actually be released this year, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Everything is in limbo always. It's there's You can trust no release date. You can trust nothing. It's, uh, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of like the quality of the content of what we're going to talk about today. So everyone, thank you for joining us today. We have a very, very special episode for you today. So as uh, as we make our way through the year of our Lord, 2023, um, we've got a lot of a lot of shows that have wrapped up, a lot of movies that have wrapped up, and then we're looking onward to fall 2023 to uh, some new shows and movies that are going to be hitting the calendar soon. And with that, we thought, what a great time to take a look back and to take a look forward. And we are introducing a new episode series on the podcast today. What was once a segment on the podcast whenever we had time is now a full episode. We are calling this the Daily Bugle. So, you know, for all of you Spiderheads out there, Spider-Man uh, fanatics, uh, you all know the Daily Bugle. You know J. Jonah Jameson. You know the, uh, the notorious newspaper from uh, the Spider-Man universe. And uh, we're using that tagline basically as a way to dive into the news here on the stinger and we've got a lot of news to get to today so on the docket for today we we've got we've got a lot to cover trent we've got first the reaction to secret invasion the the final episode there is um there's quite a lot of banter to uh to get to about that show and then we've got uh we've got a lot of trailers to hit loki season two that trailer dropped last week uh, the Marvels trailer dropped, I think, a week before that, and then the the final Ahsoka trailer was also somewhere in that time period. So we've got a, a lot of looking forward to do. Um, Trent, just like general, what are your what are your general vibes and feelings about kind of fandom content right now as we sit in in August of of 2023? You know, like I'm at this point where stuff looks interesting and i'm gonna see it but like i don't know i i'm not as uh like oh i cannot wait for this weekend like the yeah. weekend that this releases it, it's it's a, it's a weird thing it's definitely I, I feel like part of it too is like we've just gotten good non-fandom content this year yeah. with like the bear like i was like oh this is like this is the thing that i most enjoyed watching so far this year not like i i loved guardians a lot i loved uh dungeons and dragons mm -hmm. a lot but mm -hmm. but um but yeah like it's definitely been like i don't know maybe maybe the fandom thing is it's not that i don't enjoy it but maybe it's not like as like ravenous for it if that makes sense i totally days. i totally get that i totally understand that i i mean for we'll talk about it later too but the whole barbenheimer experience has mm -hmm. like i think really really open people's eyes and might might cause some shifting in the industry a little bit too because that ex that experience was like uh an in-game level weekend at the movies mm -hmm. and uh it wasn't fandom content so it's is which is a good thing i think i think it's a good thing to have people excited about movies in general uh fandom content for me i'm like there's there's i'm picking and choosing what i am getting hype about yes is is very much kind of where I'm at right now. 
there and some of those things are on the on the uh agenda today so um but i i think with uh we're gonna transition into a less um a less bright uh starting point for us today and that is that is our first headline is the secret invasion finale which was the worst rated single episode of television from the MCU on Disney Plus. Uh currently, the last time I looked at the ratings, Secret Invasion was sitting at a ripe 7% on Rotten Tomatoes, the last episode, the the finale, not not yeah, the yeah, entire yeah. series. Um the reaction to the show in general has been poor, but like it, it's also generated very little excitement as opposed to previous MCU installments on Disney Plus, but this finale was like it, it felt like a felt like a moment on the internet. So, Trent, what was your reaction to the Secret Invasion finale? So, before I go into this, I need I need to say a couple things. Like, first off, like all opinions on art are subjective. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if you loved Secret Invasion, I'm happy for you. I'm not trying to rain on your parade. Um, yeah. Also, give, given like what's happening with the strikes, I feel a little weird like picking on writers mm. and actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm not trying to do that. Many people, I'm sure, worked very hard on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, all, but all I can say is be honest and like talk about why things did or did not connect with me with this show. That's all I can do. That's yeah. all I'm trying to do. Yeah. Not saying I'm right. Not saying I'm wrong. Um, that's that. That just want to get that out of the way real quick. Man, this show is is so frustrating. Like, yes. I think yeah. that's that's the biggest word that keeps jumping out to me because there there's there's aspects and moments of this show that I genuinely liked, like not even like reaching for compliments. Like I think Samuel Jackson like gives a genuinely good performance here. Mm-hmm. I think Olivia Coleman is outstanding in mm-hmm. this. Um, but man, like the, the whole thing like did not ever for me, like truly ever congeal at all. Like I have mm-hmm. like, it's, it's one of the, I, it sounds like a hipster pretentious, like, film student thing but like i don't know what the show is about you know what i mean like yeah. i know it literally happened but like i don't know thematically like what this show was trying to say i don't know what it was trying to do in terms of the universe it was a it was a weird thing where i was watching a youtuber i like do like week by week reviews and he's like it's so weird that a show about a secret invasion of scrolls didn't really ever deal with the fact that like who like the who is a scroll was never actually that big of a concern yeah you just you just yeah. you, like you just had like oh like graphics a bad scroll like talos is a good scroll and you know the the roadie thing sort of doesn't matter by the end um and and then everything else is just olivia coleman figures it out by shooting people in like kneecaps <laughs> like I, I, I don't know man like again really like the performances like the the thing i liked the most about the show was i do think the relationship between fury and talos is like yeah. really good yeah um <laughs> everything else i don't know like it just i i feel like i i feel like something had to happen in the writing or the editing process with this show. like it's it's so it's so not congealed that i'm like something changed i've heard a lot of people speculate that this was actually supposed to be what captain marvel 2 was going to be about and then oh. they decided to go in a more um like cosmic and fun team building movie vibe instead of like the secret invasion and so then they just retooled this to be a nick fury show again that's not anything confirmed that's yeah just like a fan yeah. theory interpretation um i feel like something may have happened in the editing too where they were just like they were changing what it, it feels like a show that just had a lot of 
change happen to it as they were making it. Um, and and so yeah, man, I I don't know. Like aside from the performances, I just I I again I can't even sit here and talk about like what even bothers me fully because I'm not even sure I understand the show. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and I think that's fair. And and you know, Trent, you are always like always on this podcast, very clear about the creative process and how much goes into it. And we're not going to uh, diminish everything that goes into it from the creator standpoint. But I actually like, I feel in my opinion, critiquing this show has more to say about the studio than it does about the creators. I think. Yep. Yep. Because I, I truly, I'm with you a hundred percent of the way. Like I don't really know what this show was trying to communicate. And it feels like, Uh, there's we could we could go big picture mcu and 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 even bigger than that disney as an organization right like bob Iger comes in and he's trying to pump the brakes on the output of content that disney's putting out and marvel studios specifically and secret evasion feels like something from the previous area era of disney before Iger comes in Mm -hmm. that was just like they needed content to put on disney plus um that's what the show felt like because i i don't know what the point was um secret invasion could have been a very cool storyline whether it was captain marvel 2 or whether it was its own movie instead of a tv show i it could have been a really cool like idea to explore what important mcu figures are actually scrolls and we didn't know it for years mm-hmm. uh and it didn't do that at all i i i want to talk about so I watched this show uh very delayed. I was this was the first this was the first MCU Disney Plus show that I did not watch week to week actually. Um mm-hmm. because I watched the first episode, first two episodes and was like okay, this is all right. Um and there was other stuff like you said earlier, The Bear was out at that time frame and I would freaking love that show and and I just I couldn't conceive giving more time to secret invasion at that point so i watched it all i went on vacation recently and i watched all four remaining episodes on the plane trips there and back and i actually think it worked better that way i think i would have been even more frustrated had i been watching week to week because each week would have left me feeling more and more like why am i spending my time watching this watching it in a binge format was was a lot better um i got i gotta talk about that insanely ridiculous fight between uh Kingsley Benadir's character Gravik and Gaia in the final episode of this oh, season. Yeah. I mean, Trent, what happened? What like what on earth were they thinking? What I'm, I'm okay, so you know the the Captain Marvel movie is an interesting thing. I th- I think that movie's a little bit overhated personally. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I do think one of the valid critiques of that movie is that Captain Marvel gets like way overpowered by the end. And it's mm-hmm. just like she's just wrecking. And then I was like, oh, this show will have to deal with that. And then the show goes ahead and gives Amelia Clark not just Captain Marvel's <laughs> power people, but literally like everyone in the entire MCU, except for seemingly like Scarlet Witch, like like yeah. every but every yeah. other at power she's got like she's yeah. got Hulk, she's got Abomination, she's got Drax, she's got Groot, like she has everyone. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, I all these stupid you know 
tweets and conversations about like who's the most strong like marvel ki- like that's done we know who right. it is now yeah um um and it's not and- even a character we care about like you just yeah, introduced no. her to us yeah and to the and to be clear i'm a, I'm an amelia clark fan right like, i watch right. Ga- i watch yeah. game of thrones like she she's great in that uh little or not great um last christmas like cute little christmas movie oh like, Marvel, yes like, like <laughs> she, she's charming like yeah. amelia clark's a a great performer this is not about her but like as a character like like she just comes into the show just like i'm a broody teen upset at my parents and i'm taking it to the extreme yeah. by joining this organization and now i'm like the most op'd person in the entire mcu um i don't know man it's it's wild it's so frustrating um, it's so frustrating to me i i almost like fell out of my chair laughing when like when when she disguises nick fury and like yeah. <laughs> The Hulk punch happens, and it's you still think it might be. I'm like, I swear, if they gave like yeah. 70 year old Nick Fury all these superpowers, like, like I no. was gonna lose my mind if that happened. I thought that's what it was. Um, I I genuinely thought it was it was Nick Fury getting superpowers because I knew I knew that the episode was like really poorly received before watching it. I was like, oh, oh my god, oh my god, this is what they they gave Nick Fury superpowers. That's hor- horrible decision. But they didn't, and it's just it, the, everything from after they uh, capture the president, after the attempted assassination on the president, and then Gravik decides to change his plan last minute. Uh, they're going to fake this missile strike on Russia, and now he wants Nick Fury to come to him. It was just all so confusing to me. Oh, and then they did the thing that I that I hate that Marvel's been doing with a lot of their villains recently, where it's like... Like not not that whatever the villain's been doing was ever okay, but like you had the thing at the beginning where it's like, oh, you kind of can see where they're coming from, yeah. And then like, by episode four or five, it's like we gotta have them do like something super sketch so that yeah. you know they're evil. Like Gravik kills all the scrolls, yeah. It's, it's just like in Falcon and the Winter Soldier when um Carly, right? That was mm-hmm, her name. Mm-hmm. Like she like blows up the random United Nations office with civilians, and her colleagues are like, hey, that was kind of messed up, and yep. she's like, we're at war. And it's just like, man, they do this thing where they create really compelling, complex characters, and they're like, oh, but it's a villain for the MCU, so we gotta like shove them yes. hardcore into unreasonable, unhinged bad person. I'm glad um, you said that. And that, so that was weird. I don't know what like Gravik went from super interesting to, or not super, but you know, compelling. Yeah. To like, he's just a dude who's angry at everybody and wants to kill everything. Like, I thought, I, I thought Kingsley Benadir was my favorite part of the show, actually. Um, because he took, I, I just think he took a really, a really hard character to make seem realistic and just put a ton of energy into that. And like his performance was great. I thought the last, yeah. the, uh, the finale episode when he's screaming at Nick Fury or supposed to Nick Fury, uh, under the reactor thing. I thought that that was a great moment for him. Yeah. I, yeah, I really enjoyed him. I really enjoyed Olivia Coleman. That I just will never, ever, ever forget that scroll super scroll fight between Gaia and Gravik and not think is one of the most ridiculous, hokey things I have ever laid my eyes on in any of this fandom content. I mean, it, it like wow. It is uh and and that so so that kind of brings me to my last point on Secret Invasion. That was we don't see I mean, we have not gotten like exceptional quality content from the MCU in a while, other than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I don't know if we've seen anything that low. And and again, I I know that like everything is subjective. Some people yeah. may have really loved this finale, but I mean, I can objectively say that the consensus is this was a poorly received episode. Correct. So yeah, I I just don't. Um, what does this mean? What does this mean for the MCU? Does this mean anything, or is this? Is this a visual representation of where things have gone? Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, the, the the same YouTuber who was reviewing Secret Invasion did, like, a whole video about, like, superhero fatigue. And he ex- basically explained sort of objectively why that's not real um, based on how much money these movies are still making. And, and it's the, the memes, too, where it's, like, I, they're famous now. Like, the MCU's, like, you know, the poster for Quantumania will show up. And people will be like, the MCU's dead. And then, like, Guardians 3. And it's like, the MCU's back. And then, like... Then it's um, then it's like Secret Invasion. It's like no, the MCU's really dead. And then it's um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's so a roller Loki's coaster man. Two trailer, and it's like we're back. Um, so I don't know if it means any. For me, the only thing this means is Marvel either needs to stop making the Disney Plus shows or stop making them as these like six hour movie things. Yes. Like the way they are making these shows is clearly for the most part, not connecting. And and if people say, well, what about Loki? Loki's the only one that's had multiple seasons and is functioning like a TV show. Um, yep. But but the rest of these, where it's just like, we're going to make a six-hour mini-movie, th- like, it, it's not connecting, I don't think. Yeah. Um, even the ones that people like. Like, I like Hawkeye and uh-huh. um, Miss Marvel, and I really liked WandaVision, but, uh, but generally to audiences, I don't think it's working. Um, yeah. I think, uh, to me, what this means is... And they're already in the process of this, right? That there has to be a a pump the brakes halt on this like hyper speed production of content. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're already doing that, and the writer strike is actually like going to help slow that whole process down. Believe it or not, but I I think this means for me and for a lot of other people who have loved the MCU, grown up watching it and loving its characters and and movies that I just like, I'm going to have a skeptical eye bef- like coming into almost any, almost any show or movie. Like I, I think with the exception of Loki season two, actually even Loki season two, like it, it's a different creative team behind it. Like I, I, there's not much that I can go into anymore without like being a little uncertain about, sure. about the process. Cause I think like you look at secret evasion and you have Samuel Jackson, Olivia Coleman, Don Cheadle is in this. Um, you Kingsley Benadir, Amelia Clark. Like these are big names. These are big names and well uh, devoted and proven actresses and actress or actors and actresses. And I, I know they did not um, like just just give this a uh, 50% effort. I, I I know I know they didn't. They like they they they're credible actors and actresses, right? And so it's like there is something plaguing the creative process. And I don't know if that I don't I don't think we could put that on the creators. I think like it's clear we've cuz we've heard interviews from like so many of the directors and writers behind other MCU projects talk about the things they weren't and were and weren't allowed to do and like the questions that they had that they couldn't get answers about because right. someone higher yeah. up was like, Oh, I don't know. Um, the Marvels isn't done yet. So I, I'm not sure what we can do here. 
And so no, there, there was the the thing that Peyton Reed talked about. I mean, I have a lot of issues with Quantum Mania, but he talked about for like the visual effects. I, I think it was him. Maybe it was somebody else. But they literally said like our visual effects artists were told to like go away from Quantum Mania so that they could tighten up the stuff for Wakanda Forever. Like yeah. that got the emphasis of the visual effects. And you know what? Like the visual effects in Wakanda Forever are better. To yes. be fair, yes, and they the are. Ones in Quantum- like, like I was like, oh, I see that. Like, yep. yeah, this had more resources dedicated to it. Oh, 100%. They 100% did. And and that's the part that's that's exactly what I'm talking about here. That what what this means is that there has to be a change in the the pipeline of content. We can't be we can't be working on 3 movies and 4 shows all at the same time and expect them all to turn out quality. So, yeah. Um that's a <laughs> that's secret evasion. Yikes. Really uh a tough time out here uh in the in the disney plus streets but yes yes but with- there's a ray of hope that also emerged <laughs> exactly. in the last week or so exactly Trent. why don't you why don't you take us into that ray of hope so finally after people wondering because they knew it was coming out this year after months of like when are we going to get a trailer when are we going to get a trailer we finally have our first trailer for loki season two yes um, we do you know loki season one is probably still the most uh consensus based anyway positively reviewed I would say mm-hmm. Marvel uh, TV project. Um, and so, so yeah, we're finally back with our boy, Loki, Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson. Um, so, so yeah, what, what do we get in this trailer? Loki is experiencing something called time slipping where just like randomly he'll sort of slip through time, like in a uh, spider verse when people are in their not correct uh, universes, something like that. Um, we got Kihi Kwan off yes. of the, his beautiful resurgence from everything everywhere all at once. He's in the multiverse once again as Obi. And he seems to be some sort of like IT department tech guy in the TVA, which I find amazing. Yes. Like love that he's just going to be like sort of on the sidelines, but he'll, he'll just get to chime in on his input every now and again, it seems. And I think that's great. Um, What else have we got going on? Uh, We, we got to see either time, time travel or at least variants of people showing up in some different mm. places. It looks like maybe the old West gets visited at one point. Maybe like the 1940s, something like that. Um, and then, the, then yeah, we got glimpses of some other people like Renslayer, um, Hunter B-15, and then the Kang variant Victor Timely showed yes. up briefly, um, teasing. Sort and then there, there, there some seems to be some teasing from Loki about like war is coming, and we know yep. that uh, that Secret Wars and the Kang Dynasty are still you know very close in the pipeline. And so, so Josh, tell me what you thought of this uh, first look at Loki season two. Oh my gosh. I loved it so much. I, it, what stands out to me the most is visually how different this is and just how appealing it looks. I, I think one of the, one of my favorite things about Loki season one was the, was the world building. Like they immediately take us into the TVA, something that none of us knew about unless you were reading the comics. And they made it seem like a real world with rules and, and people who are deeply invested in it. Uh, it's, it's living and breathing and, and we're back into it, at least a different version of it. Um, and I think what, from a thematic standpoint, what stands out to me is it is flipping it is flipping what happened in season one completely on its head where season one was all about loki um basically fighting for survival for his life because he's under trial for breaking the the uh the time travel 
laws that the TVA has set in place. And him and Sylvie meet and they fight in front of Kang to basically say that this whole sacred timeline is is unjust. And we are we are cruelly like taking these multiple universes that are out there away from existing. And that's and that's not right. Um, whereas we come to season two and it seems like at least from some of the dialogue that I was picking up, Loki has seen, like you said, there's a war coming. There is something bad and dark looming because of the decisions that they had in season one to open up the multiverse and to see him now switch into the mode of fighting for order and uh, and some kind of structure in the multiverse is going to be really interesting because that's that you think that is exactly the opposite of who Loki is as a character. He is the god of mischief, right? So so what does that mean for him? in this new role so i i loved it i loved it a ton trent what about you yeah no i mean because I, I i've talked about this before um i i liked season one of loki a lot a lot mm-hmm. um but i did I, I was sort of bummed i was like man this is so much about like loki and sylvie's relationship which i get for the story they're telling but i, I wanted to see more of like the time travel and the hopping through the different variants and stuff and yes. it seems like season two is exactly more of that and very um I know you haven't seen the show, but very Doctor Who vibes in this season two trailer. Like this is very much how Doctor Who functions, where it's like there's a thing going on in this place. We got to go there, fix it, and that's sort of what we're doing for the episode this week. Um, so so that sort of change in tonal shift is great. Like you said, this idea of Loki spending his whole life looking out for himself and just sort of mm-hmm. wrecking havoc for the fun of it, now fighting for if not perfect structure, some form of mm-hmm. structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, yeah, we gotta, we gotta see what happens with, cause there was the season one cliffhanger, right? Where like yeah. Mobius didn't remember him. And right. th- this trailer didn't directly address any of that. Interestingly. Um, so, so I'm curious to see what happens there. Um, so Sylvie also has a different mm-hmm. vibe. We only saw, heard a couple lines from her, but different vibe than what I would have thought where, you know, she killed he, he remains at the end of season one. And then it was sort of like, Oh, she's going to do her own thing. But like, she seems sort of scared of like, yeah. Like sh- there's a line where she's like, we can't keep like playing gods or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's different. Cause I thought that was sort of her whole journey at the end of the first season. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where they pick things up with Sylvie. Um, no, I'm really excited for this. Um, yeah, probably even before the strikes happened, probably like the most anticipated MCU project, tv or movie for me at this point oh same absolutely 100 percent. i this this um you know we we talked about like the the trailer didn't address mobius he doesn't remember loki at the end of season one and this gives me um just just thinking about this this gives me good place vibes um like at the end of season one when it is uh there the good place is reset and they have to start from square one and you have to go into season two wondering, Oh my gosh, how are they going to figure it out again? Mm-hmm. It seems that similar plot line, like how, how is the show going to handle characters that we know are supposed to be acting differently without knowledge of certain things? And how will these different versions react when those things are revealed to them? That is uh that's something that they got, they got to like handle right because you know, there should be, there should be a different reaction. The fact that Sylvie has a different vibe to her in this trailer, I think is good. That's a good thing because like, this is a different version of that character. This isn't the same Sylvie we knew in season one. So for that, I'm very excited. Um, I, the key, 
the Kiwi Kwan thing, I'm so excited to see him in so this show. It's like, but and the thing is, like, I, I he was he was featured kind of heavily in this trailer. So I'm hoping that we actually get more of him than uh, than just a minor support character. Like, I hope I hope he's like you know fourth on the call sheet here, like really cooking in this show. I don't know. We'll yes. we'll see. Um, I did want to ask you. So I mean, I feel like the elephant in the room. And, mm-hmm. and we can't really talk too much about, you know, what what this means. It's obviously the Jonathan Majors trial is coming up. Yep. Um, and we don't know, like, there, there's been, like, a lot of evidence in both ways of what that what the outcome of that trial could be. Um, how much Kang do you think we're going to get in this show? Because I, I have to imagine the, that the uh, the trial of Jonathan Majors looms into how the show is going to be uh, and eventually wrapped up. My my pure guess at this point with the information that we have is I feel like the reason we didn't get a trailer for a while is they were seeing they were seeing how things were going to emerge publicly. Yeah, and for whatever for whatever reason. Again, again, I think the trial is literally happening like right now as we're recording this. Like it, it started like mm. two days ago. Um, so, so I don't want to say anything definitive. I feel like Marvel is like. It seems that they're at a place where I haven't heard any reports that they they changed anything or removed anything. As as far as I, it was always the plan for him to not be in every episode, but to yeah. be in several key ones. And mm. it seems to me that Marvel is like, okay most people probably know that we filmed this entire season of TV, like long before um, any of this came out, we're just going to release it as is. And then if, if further things come out when we get to like, you know, time to film the Kang dynasty or something like that, like we'll, we'll reevaluate. Yeah. But, but nobody knows at this point what's going to happen. So I, th- I think that they're just like, hopefully people know that um, or not hopefully, you know what I mean? Like people yeah. know that we filmed this before, um and you know th- things will happen you know i th- i think it's not it's not an apples to apples thing but it, you know it was it was the thing with like the flash right where some oh, people yeah. Did, yeah. didn't didn't watch the movie because yep. of the ezra miller stuff and that was like an opinion people had and a stance mm-hmm. people took some people were like hey this movie was made long before a lot of that stuff came out um and so so yeah i think i think individual people might might boycott Loki because yeah. of that? Might not. I, I I totally think it will be an individual thing. But I think Marvel seems to. I think they're going to stick with whatever they made for now, and then I do think it will depend on where the trial goes yeah. as to whether we see Kang return in this exact incarnation for for any of the movies or stuff like that. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I think you nailed it. I they they Marvel is uh, quite obviously playing the long game with this and they're going to wait until there's a verdict from this trial. I think otherwise we would have seen a decision already. And this show probably would have come out as is because it was filmed in advance. Like you said, I think this, there's not much changing that was ever going to happen to this show. It's really more about everything after that he was planned to appear in that they will have to make harder decisions on. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I I think for me personally, I am glad that this show seems to it has it has such a um such a love and affection for the character of Loki and everything that they accomplished in season 1 without Kang. That I I think 
that this show can still stand on its own two feet. It's not like a quantum mania situation where that movie literally could not, it could not crawl without, uh, without Kang being a, a central figure of it. So we'll see. Okay. So that moves us to our next MCU installment. That is the Marvel's which is uh, the next movie to release in the MCU. It's set to release November 10th. This takes place right off of where we left off in Secret Invasion. Nick Fury is back in space. We see him looking very much like he did at the end of Secret Invasion. And the villain, Dar Ben, uh, seems to have a personal vendetta against Captain Marvel and also seems to have a, a bangle that is in the same maybe power set as what uh, Miss Marvel Kamala Khan uses. Um, and we see Carol Danvers, Monica Rambeau from WandaVision and uh, Kamala Khan, like I just mentioned, switch place every time they use their powers. This seems to be the entire like plot line of the movie because these are characters who have never met to our understanding. This is like, the MCU, it feels like it honestly feels like a very comic book way to take three characters who who seemingly could could work together and overlap uh, and bring them all together for one event. Um, their powers are entangled somehow. And we're going to we're going to find out in this movie. Um, we will probably see some inklings of the the scroll and Cree war coming to an end. Uh, as the antagonist does not seem to be either. This seems to be uh, non-Cree, non-Scroll, some other entity out there in space. And there is, there is um, th- this trailer, totally different vibe from the Loki season two trailer. Uh, Trent, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I was kind of excited because I'm like, oh, this is leaning into sort of that that prime, you know, end of phase one, beginning of phase two, like fun Marvel, if you want to call yes, it that. Like, yes. I was, I, like, I was like, ah, this is... This is nice. Like, not you know, obviously loved like Wakanda Forever and Guardians Three, but like I feel like in a certain way, like the MCU has been leaning a bit too heavy into mm. the the melodramatic operatic end of the world stuff. Yeah, and so I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm glad there's a movie that's just about like people having superpowers in space, and Nick Fury gets a laser gun, and they're yeah. switching they're switching places. You know, I'm like, I'm glad that it's fun. Um. I, I really like all of the these characters, like the three the three leads here, and I'm I'm curious to see how they all get along. I mean, Amon Vellani, I think, is one yeah. of the best casting decisions Marvel has made. Yes, and so getting to see Kamala meet her idol, right, like Captain Marvel, and like see her just freak out for that whole first bit. I'm sure that they're on screen together is going to be great. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I think really my only my only like hesitation with this movie is sort of what you said, where I'm like, is this whole movie like? Can you build a whole two hour movie just on like why are we switching places? Yeah, <laughs> um, like, yeah. like I I'm I'm certain to be clear, I'm certain like that the movie actually has more of its sleeve, and like yeah. within thirty minutes of the movie, it's like oh that's what this is actually about, and that's fine. Um, but but yeah, on just just the trailer alone, I'm like, is is it gonna be the whole thing? Is just like hey, how do we not switch places? And clearly in that final, like, that final fight, they're all using their powers and they don't seem to be switching places. Or if they are and they're just hiding it for now, that's awesome. I would love that if it's like they have to figure out how they move around. Yeah. And, like, think three moves ahead. That would be super cool. Um but yeah, no, it, I, you know, I, I'm repetitive, but it, it just looks fun. Like, I, I, it looks fun. Everybody looks like they're having a good time. 
I'm ready to just see some like new cool alien planets. Like yeah. there looks like there's to be some new aliens they're gonna show us in the MCU. So, so yeah, I'm excited. I I I don't know. I may maybe we've moved past people being excited to go out to the box office for just a fun Marvel movie. But I you know I think it could still be a good time. Oh, I totally think so too. I I think this is uh this is very low stakes. Like you said, I enjoy the fact that we are heading to a lighthearted non-serious kind of plot line for for an mcu movie because we haven't had that probably since like thor love and thunder um and even that had had some stakes to it still so i i i really um i enjoyed this trailer i'm not uh expecting to you know be wowed uh maybe like i was with like a guardians volume three but i am i'm excited nonetheless and i think what what intrigues me the most is there's there's a like a line in the trailer of Monica telling Carol Danvers, like, you are not the only thing standing between uh, the enemy and like the the universe and the and the safety of the universe. And that is an interesting concept to explore. Like Captain Marvel has been very underserved as a character, I think, in the MCU. She's literally just had one movie and then shown up at <laughs> at the end of Endgame. And that's basically it. And she's mm-hmm. the most powerful Avenger that's left on the table. So I, I am uh, intrigued by how can we, how can we better serve Captain Marvel? Because I think she could be a really intriguing and important character in, in the MCU if they if they do it right. So yeah, um, and and like I sort of said earlier, there was the the sort of the criticism of a lot of people like she, that Captain Marvel was too overpowered. Yeah, but the the not being able to use your powers without switching places is a narrative way that I think the the MCU is like, hey, here, we can we can yeah. sort of tamper that a little bit. Yeah. I think that's a very, and it's a creative solution. It's not just like the Superman kryptonite thing where it's right. like, here's this green rock that makes him useless. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it, it's something that'll be part of the narrative. So, so no, I'm, I'm curious about this one. I think this one could, I'm not going to say it's like going to be a secret, the top five Marvel movie ever, but I think this one could surprise people where it's like word of mouth. I could easily see. Yeah. Yeah. It and then being like, Oh, this one's like fun. This one's just like, you know, like, like Ant-Man was basically like when that yeah. Ant-Man came out, yeah. everybody was like, no, that's not going to be good. And everybody's like, it's actually kind of good. Um, I totally could see that happening with this one. Yeah, that's a good comp, actually. Yeah, the um, the the Ant Man, because I I do think the the hype for this movie is not going to be the same as maybe the first one. It, it's they're they're going to be up against some opposition, even like with Dune coming out in the same time period. Uh, the the Hunger Games prequel, like there, there's, it's it's got some competition, and it's also facing like the MCU ness of everything right now. So yeah, we'll we will see. But I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, and so that that closes out our Marvel uh, trailers for the week, but we got we got to talk about one more big trailer, Josh. Yes, Ahsoka got yes. its got its second main big trailer this week. We got some, we got some new stuff here. Um, so so as we knew, this this series is gonna you know continue in the, the journey of Ahsoka Tano, um, and deal with Thrawn's ascension to heir of the Empire, um, and then we have these new characters, Balin Skull and Shin Haiti, who are dark side force users of some kind it's sort of unclear mm-hmm. in this trailer are they sith are they just like mercenaries like <laughs> what, what's what's their deal um we even get a line where balin says like anakin spoke highly of you to mm-hmm. ahsoka so like this dude knew anakin that that was a big thing um 
we get the turn of Hera Sandula, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Very excited by that casting. Um, Mon Mothma's back in action. You know, they're trying to keep the rebellion going. Um, but the, the big thing with this trailer was that it had a lot to do about um, Ahsoka's relationship to Sabine. And yes. The, the, the sort of, I guess, revelation, or something that people have been talking about a lot online, is that Ahsoka was training Sabine um and sort of left her behind and it's like okay so is this gonna say sabine as a force user or just that ahsoka was training her just as a general sort of mentor mentee relationship because we do see sabine using uh ezra's lightsaber yeah at at one point in this trailer so uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting if um yeah we get a we get a jedi reveal or just like hey like we've moved beyond just you know the jedi bloodline thing from rise of skywalker and lightsabers (laughs) can be used by anybody yeah um and then the other big thing of like is, you know, how much of this show is going to deal with the search for for Ezra. Um, mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, what were your thoughts, Josh, to this uh, this main trailer here? I am so excited. Like, honestly, like if we're being real. Out of everything that we've talked about today, Ahsoka is what I would put all my chips on. Like mm-hmm. I, I would Me put too. all my chips in on Ahsoka because, man, I just I so I never finished Rebels. And so over the past week, I, I it hit me. It dawned on me that it's August and I have about 20 days until Ahsoka season one premieres. So I need to finish Rebels if I want to like be up to date. I know how it ends in theory, but like I want to know the character beats heading into uh, heading into this Ahsoka show. So um, Dave Filoni is really just he's got such a good grasp on this set of characters Mm -hmm. four seasons of rebels plus all of the clone wars that uh that he produced and the storyline of ahsoka going from from clone wars to where we are now in ahsoka um i i just can't wait to see what he does because um feloni has the best grasp of anyone producing star Wars content right now on the kind of mythos of star Wars. It's, it's not simply like, like you've got Andor, for example, where Tony Gilroy is just like, right. His writing is a masterclass and he could be writing, uh, in an HBO prestige TV drama, uh, right now. And, and he basically just did that for star Wars, but Filoni is like, all these themes that you saw in the original trilogy and the prequels growing up, like I'm going to hammer in on those, but with different characters and in the kind of like nuances and gray areas uh, of the saga. And I'm going to explore those gray areas more than maybe you got to see in the movies. And so for that, I'm really excited because Ahsoka is a great character where she is uh, definitely like a righteous, like hero, but she she's a little bit of uh, a rebellious one because she doesn't you know follow the the order uh like her master did or or like or like kenobi did or or those and so like all of that has me so fired up and and i think this trailer just it kind of it kind of was uh verification for me that like oh yeah yeah like like feloni knows he's what he's doing here all these actors and actresses that are involved like they're really leaning into the animated portrayals of those characters and i and i'm excited about that so so how about you train i just spoke a ton no no i agree with everything you said um 
yeah, really excited about Rosario, uh, Rosario Dawson's casting. I thought she was great in like the the Netflix Marvel series. If you, yeah. people remember her from those, um, like I said, I'm a big Mary Elizabeth Winstead fan. So the fact that she's playing Hera is like yes, um, yeah. please. Um, and and yeah, I, I I the show seems to also be leaning into the fact that like even though like the joke the joke is always like Dave Filoni is obsessed with Ahsoka and like done so much, what more is there to do with her? But I, the show seems to be leaning into the fact that, like, there's a couple lines in this trailer where it's, like, she's actually having to think back on, like, her her journey. Like, her like she's actually having to think about that and what she wants to be in this universe. I think that's a super cool introspective journey. We we know Hayden Christensen. He, he's on the cast list. Yeah, uh, so, he sure people, is. People are debating. They're like, is this as, is this as Vader? Is Vader going to do Ahsoka? Or is this as some some Anakin flashbacks or other stuff that Anakin's going to pop up? Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm glad Hayden is getting the, this big welcome back into the, the Star too. Wars universe. Me too. Yeah, I if I had to guess, if I had to put money on it, I'm saying it's Anakin. I, which would be like, that would be my preference. But it would also be like, Oh my gosh, like the the possibilities there are pretty spectacular. Like that that would be unlike many things that we've seen on screen for Star Wars to to go back in time like that or to explore mm. a branch timeline. I don't Ooh. know. I don't know. Ooh. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm very very excited for Ahsoka. I it, August 23rd cannot get here soon enough for me. Yep, yep. And you know, supposedly this is going to be like a very big thing that's going to lead into Dave Filoni's movie. Because, I, yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. I I think it's pretty clear that Dave Filoni's movie is going to be about like the actual fight against Thrawn. I do not yes. think the Thrawn stuff is getting resolved in this series. Yes. I think this is much more about introducing the threat of Thrawn and rescuing Ezra and Ahsoka dealing with her stuff more than than resolving the Thrawn conflict. That, yeah. That's my guess. Um, that would be, yeah, th- be my guess, too. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm excited. August 23rd. It's marked down on the calendar, 100%. Let's, let's go. Okay, so, Trent, I think that's going to wrap up our trailer talk. Um, we've we've kind of hit all of, the, all of the agenda points for today. And with that, we're going to return to our segment, The Watcher's Domain. So here is a chance for us to talk about what we've watched uh, since our last episode and and give a little bit of a mini review on it. So, Trent, what would you like to talk about today? I got to talk about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Josh. Yes. I, I, finally, I finally saw it. Um, if you guys remember when we did our kickoff of, like, what are we most hyped for this year? And then when we did our, like, midpoint year in review, what are we most excited for for the rest of the summer? Like, this was, like, near the top of the list. Like, I, I wanted to see Tom Cruise do some crazy stuff. And, and you know what? I went to the theater and I saw Tom Cruise do some crazy stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Mission Impossible franchise. Always have been. I saw the first movie when I was like 11 to 13, somewhere in there. Um, watched them as they came out and then got really hooked on um, the, the series when Rogue Nation came out in 2015. Um, it, was, it was a big thing because I actually did... Um, some summer classes at VT before I officially started my freshman year. So that was the first movie I saw at Frank's. That was like, that was, oh, sort I of didn't like, know that. So it's, it's tied up in like the core memories of like, ah, this new chapter in life, like go, go to college and get adjusted to that. And then, then go see the new mission impossible. So you so see, yeah. Um, and then fallout I am obsessed with. I, I think that it's one of the best action movies ever made straight up. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, very excited to see this one. 
Um, you know, people, the trailers have sort of been very um, scarce on the plot, but people have seen the clip of Tom Cruise. He rides a motorcycle off a cliff. I mean, what more, <laughs> what more do you need to know? Um, I will say, I, I, I don't want to spoil things too much, but I will like the fact that we have entered a strike that is in part due to like how AI is going to be used in art. And this movie has Ethan Hunt fighting against an AI system like that. That is truly the antagonist of the movie. I'm not making that up. I did not realize that. Okay. Yeah. That's not it. That is not a spoiler. Like you learn it within the first five minutes of the movie. Um, but the way they use that and actually tie, like tie that into the the crazy action of this franchise is just great. Um, this movie, this movie is interesting. I could, I could see a polarizing mission impossible fans because it is at times it is the most like, existential melodramatic mission movie at other times it is full like charlie chaplin chaplin like comedy physical comedy like bonkers zany like there there's a whole relationship between two characters that is built on just because of a car chase basically like they start the scene kind of against each other and then by the end they're kind of more they're not like friends or allies but they're more on the same page um and and that's that's to me the biggest asset of the movie is how much of the story is told through these incredible action things that tom cruise does um Haley atwell from uh mm-hmm. you know peggy carter from that's the MCU. right she she joins the friend she's great in this she she might be like the mvp in terms of the performances on that this is one. awesome um and the and the last 30 minutes it's not quite as thrilling as like maverick the visceral thrill of the jets but like this is one of my favorite third acts i've seen in a while oh they do some incredible stuff that i that i don't even want to hint at um that, that i'm like yes yes like i was smiling ear to ear my parents smiled ear to ear this movie also is nearly three hours and we like neither i or my parents felt the length we were like oh it's done like boo we want more um <laughs> so, so yeah i'm hoping these strikes resolve so that hopefully dead reckoning part two comes out in 2024 still but uh, but yeah great time at the theater i know everyone went to see barbenheimer um and it's kind of fallen behind on the box office, but now that that's that's done with, I think people 100 percent should go out and see Dead Reckoning Part One. That's my plan. So like I I have not seen Dead Reckoning yet, and so I it was one of those things where like I wanted to see it, and then Barbie and Oppenheimer came out, so like that that's where my focus shifted. But now I'm I'm I've heard nothing. I mean absolutely nothing but glorious, glowing reviews of mission Still impossible good. so I, I just can't believe we got all three of those movies back to back to back like that like know, that that's that, crazy but I, okay so i'm gonna put you on the spot trent as a mission impossible guy like where does this one rank this one ranks right now right now like third or fourth and that's not mm. an indictment of this one that's just how much i love the three above yeah it. yeah um but, the, but what like, are the three above it? Uh, Fallout, um... Fallout, Fallout, Rogue Nation, and may, maybe the first one. Okay, maybe, okay. maybe, but like, but but Dead Reckoning is close to that third place slot. Um, okay, but but yeah, those the first two that Macquarie did, Rogue Nation, they're they're so good, and I and I've seen them so many more times too. Okay, um, so that's part of it. Well, thank you, Trent. Yeah, that is um, I you you hype me up more. You hype me up more to see this movie. So I I can't like. The, I think just, you would have a great time. Just, yeah, exactly. Just pure, like I am not connected to this franchise, but I've seen Fallout, and I thought Fallout was amazing. So I just like I just want more. I just I you know I I want more of that wild action packed adventure ride. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I will be seeing it soon. All right, it's my turn. And normally, normally this segment is to update you, the fans, on things going on in fandom. 
But, you know, every now and then, there is such a monumentous event in pulp culture that, you know, we can't help but not talk about it, right? So that event was Barbenheimer. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since uh, the the Barbie and Oppenheimer experience uh, hit theaters July 21st. And uh, I decided when I say Barbenheimer, I'm serious. Like I it wasn't just I saw both of these movies. It wasn't just I saw both of these movies in a theater uh, on, on the same weekend. I saw both of these movies on the same day. So uh i i did it i did the full i dressed up for barbie it was great so let me let me just i i i'm gonna talk about the movies themselves first and then i'll talk about the overall like experience and what what this means and so i um first saw oppenheimer 10 a.m in the morning man let me tell you that's an experience that's one way to start your day uh and man as someone who I wouldn't call myself like a big Nolan fan. There are people who have studied his movies and watched them all multiple times. That's not me, but I have seen most of his movies and generally am a fan. Love the Dark Knight trilogy. I mean, that is like quintessential fandom and uh, love movies like The Prestige and Interstellar and Oppenheimer. I'm just going to say it. It is top two Christopher mm -hmm. Nolan. It is it is one of his two best movies and I can't I make up my that. mind. I cannot make up my mind on what is best, but it's so so good. And I think what makes this movie it's not a perfect movie. Like let me say it's like I I'm not I'm not here to give this movie like overwhelming praise and it's the best film that has released in the past 5 years like it but it's so good. Um what makes it so good to me is it is character driven first, but the way that it tells you everything you need to know about who J. Robert Oppenheimer was is done so creatively. It's done. I think I don't know much about his life. I haven't read uh, American Prometheus, but it, it seems to be done in a in a way that's respectful to him, the person and that communicates kind of the brilliance of who Oppenheimer was like his his scientific mind uh was extraordinary um but it, it tells the story of his life and it's i, I don't want to spoil anything here on this podcast in case anyone hasn't seen oppenheimer but let's just say it's got the nolan flair in terms of sequencing of events it is uh it's it's not what you would typically accept expect from like a biopic or anything like that um the sound design everyone's going to tell you is phenomenal i did not see this in an imax theater but even in a standard theater, it was, I uh, it, it was unlike anything really that I've experienced. And in the visuals, the fact that this movie is all practical is one of the most mind blowing things. I, I truly don't know how he did it. Um, the the only critique I have, the final third of the movie does get a it, you could get a little lost in the sauce. Um, he, uh. Nolan packs a ton into it and it is a totally different tone and vibe than the first two thirds of the movie. However, if you stick with it and because no, another, another thing with Nolan is, you know, my, my guy loves to pack in about a thousand words a minute. Uh, there's a lot of talking. So if you can catch up, if you can stick with all the details, like it is, it's amazing. Um, also 
I don't think this is a spoiler. I think most people know this. Let me just tell you, best cameo of the year is Albert Einstein. He's he's absolutely cooking in this movie. Uh, it's it's fantastic. So that was my Oppenheimer thoughts. Now I'll I'll switch over to Barbie. And I it's so hard to to uh, to pick between these movies on which one I liked more. Um, I might I actually think I liked Barbie more. And I'm not going to say that uh, it was a better movie. I think it's I think you can make the argument that Oppenheimer is the better film. But I personally loved Barbie so, 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 so much. It is so much fun. And you immediately get transported into the world of, of Barbie land and Greta Gerwig just like, I, I mean, Trent, you know me. I love, I love world building. I say it time and time again on this podcast of like, if you can convince me that I'm like in a different place right now, then like you've got me sold. And Greta Gerwig does it within moments of the film starting the entire opening sequence is like immaculate Barbie land. The, the set design is so so good because it's not like it's not like it's it's being based off of a toy and she basically just took this concept and made it into a reality on screen and it's one of the coolest things ever uh margot robbie and ryan gosling are batting a thousand in this movie i mean they are ryan got i mean ryan gosling especially like oh oh my gosh is he like so it you could tell in all the interviews leading up to the Barbie release that he is like fully engaged because he's he's acting as Ken even in the interviews, man. Like like he is fully Ken in everything he's doing. Um, and then he trans transports himself very well into that role in this movie. Uh, I gotta I gotta say what my one of my favorite moments is a, is a speech by America Ferreira. Shout out to America Ferreira. All my all my Cloud Nine Superstore fans, stand up, go see Barbie because uh, she's she's cooking in this movie. She she has a wonderful speech uh, in the in the final third of this movie that I I just I, I think everyone needs to go watch it and see. Um, my only critique for Barbie is that when they're not in Barbie Land, I'm not as interested. Uh, there are moments in. Uh, Again, I'm. I will try to. I'm trying to stay as spoiler free as possible. But there are moments when they're not in Barbie Land that uh, fall a little bit flat. Um, the comedy is just off the walls. Good in this movie, it is like you are laughing every moment. Um, and then Greta Gerwig does something pretty incredible in the final third of the movie. By um, it's not. It, it's not subtle. It's not really like. Um, profound if uh if you are like a, a very informed uh person but it, it's just like it's so well communicated to this massive audience that she knew barbie was going to attract right like barbie is going to attract a massive audience we've seen it's the highest grossing movie of the year um and she finds a way to like say something about men and women in in our society um and it's just I, that part of it is profound because it reaches such a wide audience and it's so, so good. And it ends in a very like it's a, the final third is both comical and emotional. And I love it so much. And and in terms of the experience, like one from a movie theater standpoint, 
we got we got one of the biggest movie weekends ever the biggest one since avengers endgame for these two movies and i just i just adore that i'm so excited about that i love that so much and then secondly um this is more for barbie i but both of these movies communicate something really important and like we get to examine one of the biggest tragedies in the history of our world in oppenheimer um and you see this this world that is uh in in the time that that oppen that oppenheimer lived that is uh it's anxious it's afraid it's it's under it's it's under scrutiny from the war and it's a lot of men in rooms talking and making decisions because it's a lot of men holding power and then you you go to barbie and and barbie like it, it's weird these movies connect more than you anyone i think would have ever guessed but it it shows us the world through the the lens of of if barbie ruled the world and then it shows us the world as it really is and some of the systems that are set up like like the patriarchy and i just think without spoiling anything again like i would just encourage you if you haven't seen barbie to go see barbie because it's it's one it's a really fun time but i really think it it says some necessary things uh that it's it's not brand new information i'm sure a lot of people have heard these things before but for a general audience for everybody to see like to all the people that's out there saying barbie's too woke like i just want to say go see this movie because I think everyone should think about it. I think everyone should think about the society that we live in and the message that uh, that Barbie communicates about what our world is like for women and what it's like for men and what it could be. And so I love I love it so much. Those those are my thoughts. I know that was extremely long winded. Thank you for listening. No, that was incredible. I mean, I was already going to go see these movies and I was already hyped, but now I'm just like, I'm like ready to run through a brick wall to go buy tickets for both. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, like uh, you're, you've definitely sold extra tickets. Um, no, I, I've been excited. It, it was a thing where it didn't work out for timing for me to go see Barbie yet. And then um, Emily saw it. Matt hasn't seen it. She loved okay. it. Yeah. Um. And she's like, but I'll go with you and Matt again once like we're back in town. And then yeah. Emily and Matt both wanted to go see uh, Oppenheimer, and so we've been yep. waiting for them to hopully. Um. And I and we found like an IMAX not too far, so we're like, ooh, ooh, like, have, oh, you got to see it in IMAX. Ma- man. Might have to go make the the forty five minute drive. Um, I, it's totally worth it in IMAX. Yeah. Not so, that I would know because I haven't seen it, but from everything I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So, so no, the, those I I'm really hoping to get to those. I know I'm running out of time because it's been a couple weeks and things will be evaporating from theaters soon. Although Barbie, I think they're going to keep that money train going for a while. I, at least. Yeah, I I think it's smart to go see Oppenheimer first. That one, it, that one will leave theaters before Barbie. I Barbie might be in theaters for you know three might be months until December. Yeah, on, like, honestly, yeah, it really might. So I I I think you have time, but I ho- totally recommend seeing it. So. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. And that that was a beautiful speech. So. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think that's going to wrap our talk today, Trent. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much, man. I, I, uh, I'm I excited to talk about what's coming up and, and what we've seen. So we um we will be back soon. I uh, I can't tell you exactly what, but we've got a lot of fun content. Like uh, just just tap in to the stinger. So you can you can find us on social media at the stinger pod instagram 
Threads, TikTok. Go follow us and then subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. And then you like you like consuming our content in multiple ways. We have a YouTube channel. So also find us on YouTube at the Stinger Pod. You can watch our full episodes now on YouTube. And so with all of that, please, please go follow. Please go subscribe. You will see more fun content from us very, very soon.